Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Hey, today I'm really excited uh, because today we're wrapping up our four-part series uh, that we started four weeks ago called What's Next. Somebody say, What's Next? We started this series four weeks ago, and it's a series that I believe has just created this momentum in our church. I love it. I love what God is doing. I feel like people are taking their steps in their spiritual journey. We really believe that God has a spiritual journey for each and every single one of us. I really believe that God has a step for all of us to take. In fact, the way that we put it is that you are somewhere and you have a next step to take. Somebody say, I have a next step. Look at three people around you and tell them you have a next step. You have a next step. Come on. We all have a next step to take. And uh, I really believe that in our Bibles, from cover to cover, God talks about these four steps. I really do believe that. In fact, about 15, 20 years ago, I heard one pastor kind of verbalize it. It made sense to me. I saw it in scripture, but I just um, didn't know how to put it like extra clear. And so for the past 15, 20 years, it's just been on my mind. Like God has these things for us, four things for us, but I didn't know how to make that. To be honest, I couldn't even verbalize it myself. How do I make this in a clear way so that everybody understands? And earlier this year, there's a pastor in Alabama. His name is Pastor Chris Hodges, and he's a mentor in my life. He doesn't know that, but he's a mentor in my life, and I love him. Listen to all his messages. He's incredible. He came out with this book and this series that he did in his church called What's Next? And really is where we got the inspiration for this series, kind of just jumped on it and said that's it he he talks about four spiritual steps that are in our word in our in our bibles and and i said that's it it resonated with me it 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 it, it kind of i'm just like whoa that's what i've had in my heart for the past 15 20 years and when i heard it i'm like man we should do this as a church and and so this is the book if you want to i would suggest you buy it go on amazon or one of one of your bookstores it's called what's next by pastor chris hodges and this book is phenomenal and it's basically been our series just a little bit more in detail so that's the book right there get it it's gonna bless your life what's next by pastor chris hodges so we said that that the four steps are these, right? Write these down. If you haven't been able to write them down, these are the four steps that God has for our, le- for our life. Number one, reach. Somebody say reach. We said that the first step in our journey that God has for us is that he wants us to reach out to him because he's already reached down to us. And so we say that the first step is to reach him because he wants that all of us will know him, that all will know God. The second step in our spiritual journey is to get some help. God wants all of us to get some help. I like the way Pastor Chris Hodges puts it. He says, you can't move forward in your tomorrow until you fix your yesterday, right? All of us, we have stuff in our life that we need to get fixed. And how God does it is that he puts us in community. The book of James says that if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed, right? And so God wants us to get healed. And he wants us to to help us with what we have internally that we're dealing with. And we all deal with things. And so the second step in our spiritual journey is that God wants to help us. And he wants us to connect us into community. That's why we do connect groups. And our prayer is that our entire church would be in a connect group. And so I'm praying that all of us already signed up for one. If not, get in one today. They're meeting this week. They're absolutely amazing. The third step, I think, is that God wants to teach us about our purpose. All of us are designed a specific way that God made you. And he made you that way so that it would fit the purpose in your life. 
right? And all of us are made different. You have your purpose. I have my, my purpose. But God designed us a specific way so that we would live out our purpose, right? Somebody say, I have a purpose. Come on, can you say it like you believe it? Come on, with all your heart. I have a purpose. <laughs> Wes Kendall was loud with that one. And um, step four is the one that we're talking about today. It's probably one of my favorites. It's about releasing God after he tells you about your purpose. He wants to release you so that you can make a difference in the world. And I really believe that with all my heart, God wants to release each and every single one of us so that we make a difference in our world. So these are the four steps that we've been talking about these past four weeks. We're going to finish today with step four. Grab your Bibles. Go to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. This has been the base scripture for this series. Come on, as you're going there, look at your neighbor and tell them you look fabulous this morning. Come on, tell somebody they look good around you. Turn to the person on the other side and tell them you actually look better than my first neighbor. <laughs> Are you happy with the person you're sitting next to? If you're not, I'm going to pray in just a moment. When I pray and all eyes are closed, you can get up and switch seats really quick. Mm-hmm. Psalm chapter 16. <laughs> How good was worship today? Come on. Our worship teams are crushing it. Psalm chapter 16. This is uh, David. David is writing this psalm. And uh, I love what he says in verse 11. And so we kind of been focusing on the path that he's talking about. If you're there, can you shout amen? amen. Psalm 16, 11, David says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. One translation says, you've, you've made known to me the right way. You've shown me the path of the right life. I love that. And when I'm living in the right way and the right path, oh, I have joy. It says, you fill me with joy in your presence. In other words, in the path of God is the presence of God. When you discover the path of God, you will see that God's presence is in that path. And he says, there, oh, there's eternal pleasures at your right hand. Verse 11, I want you to highlight that, underline that. It's what we've been talking about for four weeks. David says, you've shown me a path, and it's the right path of life. And that path of your, is your presence, and in your presence, there's joy and eternal pleasures forevermore. And I just really believe that a lot of people are living stuck in their life, and they're not walking out in the path that God has for them. God has a path for us, and that's to reach, help, teach, and release us. And so today, as we're closing out this series, I'm really excited about this week. I want you to write this down today. I want to talk to you from this subject, release, making a difference in the world. Come on, somebody. Making a difference in the world. Release. We're going to talk about release, the fourth step in our spiritual journey, and then we're going to worship God and uh, get ready for our heart for the house, which is in a few weeks. Amen? Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head. Let's ask God to bless this time together. Father, we thank you. We love you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love with us and toward us. Thank you for what you're doing in Kendall Campus, City Campus. and Thank you for what you're doing in West Campus, God. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Fill our hearts with joy as we walk in your path. We love you. And uh, I don't know what, what the dolphins need, but God, we need a miracle. We need help, help, help from heaven. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Amen. Come on, all of God's people say. Amen. Can you give Jesus a big praise one more time? Come on. 
As you heard, uh, about 41 of us uh, went to Israel this past week and a half, and we had the best time. I see some people here that went to Israel with us, and we had an incredible time. We had an amazing time. We went to all the kind of biblical sites that you can imagine, and, and, and the Bible just becomes real in Israel. Like, it's just so beautiful, but one of the stops that we did was to uh, the Dead Sea. How many of you have seen pictures or videos of the Dead Sea? Okay, maybe like 80% have it. How many of you have seen pictures or videos of the Dead Sea? Let me see. Wave of hands if you have. Okay, the majority of us have. Some people were just like, I'm not raising my hand. It's okay. <laughs> we went to the Dead Sea. Now, if you don't know, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. It is the absolute lowest place on earth. I believe it's 1,400 feet below sea level. Like, it's low, 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 low. And uh, the Dead Sea, um, they call it the Dead Sea because a river flows into it, but nothing flows out of it. The Jordan River flows all basically throughout Israel into the Dead Sea. And once it, the water gets into the Dead Sea, it just kind of stays stuck there. There's nothing leaving the Dead Sea. And our tour guide says something crazy. I love that. He said that kind of represents our life. Those of us who only stop God's blessing in our life but never give it to anybody else, we become dead too. Come on, that'll preach. That's a whole nother message right there. <laughs> and so it becomes salty because all the minerals and everything just flows into it, but it just stops there, and so it's extremely salty. also goes to show you that if you're not generous, you become salty. But that's a whole other message. And <laughs> Kenny liked that one. And then, and then we were there at the Dead Sea. Now, if you know, you go to the Dead Sea just to experience it, what it's like. It's crazy. You get into the Dead Sea, and you float in the Dead Sea because it's extremely, extremely salty, you float in the Dead Sea. Like, you can't swim. You can't do it. You, you, it's those of us who stepped in there, if you've been there, you know how it is. There's nothing you could do to fight against it. You, you just float. Like, you, even if you don't know how to float, you'll float, right? It's that salty. Now, another thing about the Dead Sea that maybe some of you have heard is that the Dead Sea has this mud on the bottom floor of it, this mud that supposedly it's really good for your skin and for your face. Have you heard of that? People buy Dead Sea products all over the world because supposedly it's so full of salt, minerals, and vitamins, that's extremely good. And so we rubbed it all over our face, wrinkle-free, all that, right? We were all putting uh, Dead Sea mud on ourselves. But, but this mud, you find it as you're entering the Dead Sea, right? So walking into the Dead Sea, I would say the first, like, 20 feet as you're walking into the Dead Sea, you got to walk on this mud, and, and it's extremely dense, and it's deep, and it's like sticky, gooey-type mud. And so before you can float, you got to walk through this shallow part that's all full of mud, and your feet will begin to sink in this mud. Like, you can't even help it. You'll begin to sink in this mud. So, so a few of us, it was probably about 20, 30-something of us going into the Dead Sea at the same time, and our feet, like, they just begin to sink in this mud. And, and I'm there, like, laughing, <laughs> but my feet are stuck. I had just bought some sandals to get into the Dead Sea, and at this one point, I step into the mud, and it goes way down, and the mud goes up to about my knees, and I can't move, and I'm there trying to help other people get into the Dead Sea, and I'm like, <laughs> but I can't move, and I'm like, I just lost my brand new sandal, like, oh my God, like, I'm stuck, this is crazy, and I wanted to help others, but I needed to first help myself, and I'm like, oh God, how am I going to get out of this, and I had to reach down, literally, and pull my foot out of the mud, like, it was crazy, crazy, and probably people in my group would never know, because all I did on the surface, I was like, ha, 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 Dead Sea amazing, <laughs> right, but you're stuck, but it made me think this way, that that oftentimes, right, when there's a pull on you, you can't focus on others. Just made me think about that. And I think that life sometimes is the very same way. Life has a way of creating a gravitational pull to make life seem like it's all about you. 
Come on, it's the life that we live. It's the society and culture that we're a part of. Life is about you. Fight for you. Work for you. Do everything you can to accumulate everything you can for yourself. And life is all about you. Society teaches us this. Culture tells us that life is all about us. Hey, work hard. Do all you can. Accumulate, grab, build your own empire. Come on, live for the, the nice house with the white picket fence and the dog. No cats because cats are not from God. But, but, but go after that American dream, right? Like life will teach us this is what it's all about. And when you're living life this way and you're so focused on you, you seem to forget what life is really all about, right? Hey, it's all about this. I don't know. I just feel like that's what happens in our world so often. And so, so today, I, I would just like to propose this idea as we're closing out this series across all campuses, all services. I would just like to propose this idea that, that maybe, maybe, maybe life is not about acquiring all we can, getting all we can, building all that we can. But maybe life is also about lending a hand, serving one another, helping out one another. Come on, like maybe life is about making a difference beyond ourselves. I don't know, I just feel like, like today as a church, let's think about this. Maybe life is more than just ourselves. Like maybe we were created for more than just us. Maybe we were created so that we can make a lasting impact in the world. In fact, if, there, if there's a big point I want to leave you with today is this, that maybe the ultimate purpose in our life is to make a difference beyond this life. Right? Maybe, maybe that's the ultimate purpose in life, is to make an impact that has eternal significance. It's to make an impact that has eternal value. Like, hey, I, I'm not going to live just for me to acquire, to hold, to accumulate, but maybe to serve and to help and and to help people see God and how much he has for them. Like, maybe life is about that. That's what I want to talk about today as, as we're finishing this series. I really believe that this is what Jesus taught us while he was here on earth. And we can open up our Bibles and we see that God always wants to release us to make a difference in the world. In fact, in John chapter 15, verse 8, he's talking to his disciples. And this is what he tells them. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. Basically, he says, this will bring glory to God if you bear much fruit in your life. He says, you want to glorify the Father? Bear much fruit. In fact, this way, people will know that you're my disciples. They won't know you're my disciples by you having the latest car and the biggest house and the biggest salary. Like, that's all great, and I'm not saying that's bad. Go after that. You need to provide for your home. I'm, I'm for that. I get that. But, but God wants you to bear much fruit to the Father's glory. And when you do, you're fulfilling the mission that God has for you. I want to tell you today, God has a mission for you. God has an assignment for you that's to live for more than just yourself, but to make a difference in the world for a lasting impact. Really believe that. And when that happens, a couple verses down, John 15, verse 11, he says, when that happens, my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. He says that in verse 11. In other words, when you're living for more than yourself, you're going to be full of joy. You just have like this fulfillment in your soul when you live for more than yourself. Come on, how many people in our world are living for joy and they're trying to find joy in relationships, in things that this world has to offer and no joy can satisfy them. But when you have the joy of God, come on, it'll fulfill your soul. When you say, I'm living for more than just myself, I'm, li I'm living to fulfill God's purpose for my life. 
He's released me to make a difference. Can I tell you, can I tell you, it's not just, it's not just non-believers that have this gravitational pull. Like I, we think that maybe, maybe because we come to church, like, hey, I'm good. I, I don't deal with that. Can I tell you, believers do too. Like all of us do. Because if we're not careful, one of the things we want to fight against is that if we're not careful, we'll make church all about us too. We'll come in here and we're like, are they singing my favorite song today? I don't like that, so I hope they sing my favorite song today. Come on. If we're not careful after a while, we'll come in here and we're like, do they have my reserved parking today? I'm like, I don't even know anybody had reserved parking. Where's my seat? Somebody sat in my seat like you're a season ticket holder. <laughs> right? And if we're not careful, we'll make church all about us. And we have to remember this is not about us. This is about reaching the lost. This is about helping the broken. This is about helping Miami see Jesus. Come on. Like, when we talk about DNA nights and let's get team together and let's build and let's build another campus. And why are we going to West Campus? If we're not careful, another campus? I don't want to be part of that. I want to give to that. Because it's all about us. Right? Like, we're not building another campus just so we can get bigger. But I want to tell you, growth is not optional when people are going to hell every single day. We got to do all we can to help people and to reach people. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on. Me and Diana, me and Diana last night, we were watching TV and they, were, we, they had this program on National Geographic called Drugs, Inc. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about the drug problem in our world. Like we're living in a broken world. People are looking for their next high and they'll lose it all. They will sell their homes, their cars, their families. They'll give up everything just to find a high. People are broken. I want to tell you that church is never going to become a social club for card members. This is not members only type of place. And you can only come in here if you look a certain way, if you dress a certain way, if you got the right code. No, this is a hospital for the broken, for the lost. We're building hospitals in Kendall, hospitals in City, hospitals in West Camp. Come on, we're a church that's after the broken, a church that's always going to reach the loss. It's not about me and my season ticket holder seat. <laughs> Come on, this is about reaching the city of Miami. This is about telling people there's a good God who loves them. But we have to fight that gravitational pull to think this is only about me. This is not about us. I want to tell you we have a mission as a church. You have a mission God wants to release you so that you can make a difference as well. Jesus, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he prays this last prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. you got to read toward the end of the, of, of the book of John, John chapter 15, 16, and 17. Those of us who went to Israel, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying. And look what he prays to the Father in John chapter 17, verse 18. He says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, now I give them a mission in the world. He says, Father, you gave me a mission. I've, I've already fulfilled it. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he's going to get arrested. He's going up to the cross. He's, I've fulfilled my mission. Now I'm giving them a mission. You and I, we have an assignment and a mission from God. We're not here just to live for ourselves. We're not here just to build our great name and our great kingdom. Come on, we're here to tell people there's a God who loves them. There's a God who's for them. There's a God who's on their side. David, he's found out the path of life. David, he's excited because David realizes, oh, God has a purpose in my life. I was just a shepherd. And I was taking care of sheep, but God grabs him and makes him a king so that he can serve the people. David made a difference in the world so much so that today we're still talking about David. He went from living for himself to 
to helping humanity see this God. He brings back the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. David did so many things to glorify God, and, and he made a lasting impact. He's been gone more than 2,000 years, and yet we still talk about King David. It's a lasting impact that is valuable for eternity. You know who else lived this way? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is like, I, I have to live for what God has called me for. I don't just live for myself. I live to tell people about Jesus. Acts chapter 20. Look at these words. Look at, look at Paul's words. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul says this. I don't care about my own life. Those are crazy words. Paul's like, I don't even care about my life. <laughs> like, I don't even care about my life. He says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. He said, I don't live for myself anymore. Paul's basically saying, I used to live that way. I used to live only for myself. But now I find out I want to tell people about Jesus no matter what it costs me. Something happened in Paul's life that made him say, hey, stop living for yourself. Stop living for yourself. Love people. Make a difference in the world. And that's not just for pastors, and that's not just for dream team members, and that's not just for leaders, but that's for every single one of us. But you know what the enemy will come? The enemy will come in and lie to us. He'll lie to you and he'll lie to me. He'll be like, hey, hey. Your life is so messed up. You're in church, but on the way to church, remember that fight you just had in the car? Now you're holding hands looking all cute. You can't stand your husband right now. How can you serve God? How can you make a difference? He'll come and lie to us. And he'll come and tell us, like, hey, you're just in dysfunction. You're going to continue in dysfunction. Focus on you. You can't help nobody until you get better. Do you, boo-boo? <laughs> right? Like, he'll come and he'll lie to us. And the pressures of this world and the gravitational pull will always bring us back to us. Got to focus on me. Just got to live my life. And I don't know, maybe I'm really passionate about week four, and I'm really passionate about this fourth step because of the people that I was surrounded with growing up. Like, I grew up in a Christian home. You've heard me. And I had parents that I saw them, like, just do whatever they had to to help people. That's the type of home that I grew up at. Maybe you didn't experience that, but I did. And it's made me passionate. Maybe that's why it's formed me to the person that I am today. Like, my parents were marriage counselors as I was growing up, and they helped the marriage ministry in church. And so I remember times where it was already 11, 12 o'clock at night, and there was this couple arguing in the living room. My parents were there trying to like pray for them and help them out. And I'm like six, seven years old. Like, God, what is going on, right? But for my parents, time was never an option. Time wasn't like an, an objection. It didn't get in the way. It was like, we're here to help people. And so marriages can be fixed. Lives can be restored. People can get back together. And the kingdom of God can keep moving forward. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I was surrounded by that type of stuff. Like, like I saw my dad go, go on mission trips when I was little. Like, they just love people. And so it made me this type of person. I just love people. I want to help people. Then I turned 19 and I went to this young adults group. And there was this pastor that said, Alex, I, I just want you to like, travel with me around the world. I want to help you out. And Come on, let's do ministry together. And he became one of my best friends. And, and this person, like, loved people. I was forever. One of my pastors, Pastor Frank, I'll never forget. He loved people. One time he took me with him on a trip. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, his alarm goes off. And I hear his alarm, and I'm like, why, why is he getting up so early? Like, conference is not till like, 10 a.m. Like, I'm going to sleep, sleep, night, night. And he wakes me up at 5-something in the morning. He's like, Alex, come on, let's get up. Let's pray. 
I'm like, pray. pray. I pray right here in my bed. He's like, come on, come on, let's get it. Get up and pray. I promise you. I promise you. And he got up and he started praying. I remember at 530 in the morning, him weeping on his knees in the hotel room. And he's like, let's pray for souls today. Come on, let's pray for souls. Let's pray for people that are broken. Let's pray for people that are lost. And I'm like, I want that passion for souls. And that was every single day. Like, I, li- I saw that firsthand. I was with him all the time. I'll never forget. He had like a 1987 Cadillac. Beautiful car. <laughs> all right? This old school car that he loved. And, and I would hang with, out with him all the time. And if we were driving by a park, he'll stop at a basketball park. And he said, hey, let's get off. Let's tell these guys about the gospel. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's go. And he, one time he stopped the basketball game. On one fight, two, he stopped the basketball. He said, hey, guys, guys, hold on, hold on, time out. Everybody's like, you're messing up our game. Come on, some of you know, you're playing a game. He's like, don't mess up my game. He's like, hey, 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 grab the ball, put it right here by his side. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to get in a fight. And I'm just there like. And he grabbed the ball. And he's like, hey, I just want to tell you that I was lost. I couldn't see. I was broken. But there's this Savior named Jesus. He came and he changed my life. And I'm just so pa-. And he started preaching to the entire basketball team. And can I tell you that day, like 11 of them gave their lives to Jesus right there in the back. And I said, I want to be like that. I want to live life telling people about Jesus wherever I go. Come on, people are dying. People are broken. And every single day, whenever he would talk about souls, he would begin to cry. And it shaped me and it made me who I am. And that's why I think this step is so important. God wants to release you. This is not just for pastors. This is not just for leaders. This is for every single day type people that we can make a difference in our offices. We can make a difference in our schools. We can make a difference wherever we go. Come on, we can stand up and we can let this little light of ours shine and tell the world there is a Savior named Jesus. Come on, can you give God a big praise? Come on. I love it. It's what Jesus told us to do. It's the last words that Jesus gave us. Like some of us, some of us that went to Israel, 41 of us, we went to this place called the Mount of Olives. Maybe you've heard of it or seen it, but, but there's Jerusalem, the city. Then there's this big valley called the Kidron Valley. And then there's the Mount of Olives, which is a hillside. And all of us that went to Israel, we stood on the Mount of Olives. Well, Jesus, this is the last place that he was here on earth before he ascended to the Father. And he's standing on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and with over 500 people that are seeing him here. This is after his death and resurrection. He's resurrected. He's walking around earth for 40 days. He's about to ascend to the Father. And these are Jesus' last words before he ascended. You've heard of last words. Last words are important. Well, what were the last words of Jesus? Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's beginning to ascend. Just imagine the scene. He's beginning to ascend. And he's like, hey, last words. I want you to listen. Right? He's ascending. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what he tells them. Last words on the Mount of Olives as he's ascending. He says, hey, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Three places, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem basically meant their hometown. He said, hey, I want you to be, you to be a witness in, your, in our hometown. Be a witness right there where you live. As a church, this is what we focus on. We focus on our home. Number two, he says, I want you to be a witness to Judea and Samaria. Those were neighborhoods that were close to Jerusalem, but they didn't get along with people in Judea and Samaria because they looked different than them. Ah, uh, we don't go into that neighborhood. Come on, that happens often. And Jesus is like, go love on them. As a church, we're a church that's missional-minded. We go help out neighborhoods all over this city. And it doesn't matter where people come from or what they look like. Come on, we're going to help every single person we can. And then he says, to the ends of the earth. I love that as a church, we get to Cuba India, 
Africa, Ecuador, Colombia, Costa Rica. Like, we're making an impact all over the world. Come on, somebody. And so God, he wants to release us to make a difference in the world. Maybe you're saying, Alex, what, what does that even look like for me? I want to finish with these three things. Write these down. Got a couple minutes left. Write these down. What does it mean to be released by God and make a difference in the world? Well, I think, number one, first we need to make a difference in my world. Somebody say, my world. You need to make a difference in your own world. When God releases you to make a difference, he's, ma- he's calling you to make a difference in, in the world that you're a part of. Every single one of us, we have a sphere of circle of influence of friends. Like in that place, God wants you, that's your Jerusalem. God wants you to, to make a difference in that place that you live. Like who's your immediate family, your immediate friends. That the p- people in your own home, a lot of people, they want to be missionaries. And they want to go across the world to tell people about Jesus. But you can't even be a missionary in your own home first. Like just love on people right there where you live. Be a witness, he says, in Jerusalem. In other words, in your own home, be a witness. Jesus is always big on homes. Like, hey, go, go home and be a witness to where you live. And the people that, that see you every day, they, sh- they should see that there's something different about you. They should see and notice that God has done something in your life. Are you making a difference in your own home? One time, Jesus, he, he healed this man that was full of a disease. And, and then he gives this man these instructions in Mark chapter 5, verse 19. He says, hey, go home. Go home. Somebody say, go home. Some people are like, I'm going home right now. <laughs> but Jesus says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Come on, how good is that? Go home. Tell your family, tell your friends how good God has been to you. Come on, has good God been good to anybody in here? Every single month, every single month we get reports of what God is doing in this place. In the families of Calvary, every single month, people fill out praise reports. They're, in, they're out in every single lobby and every single campus. People fill out praise reports, and this is happening in my family. This is happening in my home. I'll never forget, about two months ago, this mom wrote to me, and she says, Alex, I want to tell you about my daughter. Ever since she started going to your church, I don't know what's happened to her. And I'm reading the, the text at first, and I'm like, oh, my God, is this going you know, a bad way? Like, what happened to her? And she's like, she's just become the sweetest, most loving. God has changed her life. She's not who she used to be. She is a brand new person. In fact, because of what's happening in her life, I'm going to your church now too. And we love it and we've been a part of it. Come on. Then when you go home and you make a difference in your own home, people will notice it. And she was so excited. She's like, me and my husband are now part of the church too. And we're excited. I'm just like, I love it when you can go home and make a difference. Like a lot of times, you know what we try to do? We try to go to our own homes and we try to tell people how to live. That's not what Jesus told us. He didn't say, hey, go to Jerusalem and tell them that if they don't get it right, it's turn to burn. <laughs> he just says, hey, go to Jerusalem and be my witness. What does a witness do? A witness just tells their part of the story. But a lot of times, Christians, what we want to do is tell people their part of the story. Just go home and say, I don't even, like some of us, the best thing that we can do is just share what God has done in our life. You may not even know the entire Bible. Like, Alex, I don't even know how to preach. How do I? Just tell them, hey, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Like, that's how you can make a difference in your own world. I really believe that God calls us to make a difference in our world by serving. I don't know, when's the last time you served your husband or you served your wife? When's the last time you served your kids? And not try to preach at them. 
but be a living Bible to them. Proverbs says this, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 and 28, never walk away from someone who deserves help. I love this next line. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, hey, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow. Like, help them now. One translation says, don't deny the help if you have it now. Like, how can I make a difference in my world, in my, in my sphere of influence with my family or friends? Well, by serving them, loving on them. And so I really feel that this is our first responsibility as Jerusalem. It's the people closest to us. But not only should we make a difference in my world, number two, make a difference beyond my world. God often calls us to go and love on people that don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't think like us. And this is one of the hardest ones. Because you can love the people in your home even if they get on your nerves. You can love the people in your home even if you don't like them too much. Because it's family, it's friends, close, 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 intimate friends and family. But, but when he says, hey, go across the street and go across to another neighborhood to people that don't talk like you, don't look like you, that's where our world has problems. Come on, our world is more divided now than ever. Here's a big one. Go love on people that have a different political stance than you. Hello. Like... Can I tell you, our country is more divided than ever. And if we're not careful, that division will seep into the church and how we treat people. You voted for who? You, who do you believe? Is that what you stand? <laughs> not helping nobody. Like, like Jesus said, hey, go to Judea and Samaria. I know they look different. I know they, there's animosity between you guys, but, but just go be a witness to them. So I can't just focus on my home. I got to be a witness to those beyond my home. I love that as a church, we get to do this all the time. And maybe we have a lot of differences with people in our city or people that come from different backgrounds. But what we try to do is that we try to find something that we can relate to them with. And we'll do everything we can so that we can tell them about the gospel of Jesus. Paul did this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Paul says, hey, whatever person's like, I try to find common ground. Somebody say common ground. Since I try to find common ground so that they'll let me tell them about Jesus and so that Christ will save them. Paul says, I try to find common ground with anybody. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. Like I, I try to be whatever I can so that I can tell people about Jesus. We often have these things called city care here in our church where we go out to the city and, and we have different events. We might go and fix a neighborhood up or a park up or feed the homeless or go to prisons or go to nursing homes. And I'll never forget about six months ago, we did one where we went to like this foster care facility. And it's a holding place for kids that still haven't been adopted that their mom and dad have either walked out or no longer are with them. And, and so there was a bunch of kids, probably about 30 kids in that place. And me and Diana went to the different places where our church was serving and different teams all over the city. And we finally went to that place. And when we got there, our team was already there. And when I got there, my heart just got so full of joy. I looked out and I saw our team. We had people there giving haircuts and my brother over there was cutting people's hair, and some of these kids hadn't gotten a haircut in a while. He's like, yeah, I'll cut your hair. We took barbers over there to cut hairs. We put on some music. Somebody else grabbed the football and started playing football with other kids. Somebody else grabbed the basketball. Somebody with some of the girls, they're like, hey, you, you like painting your nails? Hey, we brought some nail polish. Let's sit down and just, you know what we try to do? We're trying to find a common place, something in common that we all have. And, and while I'm cutting your hair, I'm going to tell you, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, I know mom and dad, they're probably not around, but I want to tell you there's a father up in heaven and he loves you so much. Come on, we just got to find common ground 
with people so that we can tell them about Jesus. I'm running out of time. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Number one, let's make a difference in our world. Number two, beyond our world. And number three, let's make a difference in the whole world. Can I get an amen? amen? When you get away from the gravitational pull to live life for yourself, you can see life from a bigger perspective and you can say, whoa, it's not about me. I'll make a difference in my home, in my city, in the neighborhoods around me, and then in the world around us. And maybe, maybe you're like me, like, oh, I can't, I can't go to all these places. And a lot of times we can't, but, but one of the things that we can do is that our finances can go to some of these places. And what I love about our church, and I've always been proud of Calvary, is that every single month we send support to missionaries all over the world. When we have our time of giving and we all give our tithes and our offerings, I love that we grab a percentage of that and it goes to global missions. And it goes to help people all over the world. It goes to help out kids in Colombia, kids in Ecuador. It goes to help out pastors in Costa Rica. It goes to help educate kids in India, missionaries in Africa. Every single month, we do it as a church. We've been doing it now for 19 years. Every single week when you give, you can say, you know what, I'm making an impact in the world. Maybe we can't go physically. I haven't been to a lot of these places, but I know where my money's going and I know what it's doing. I love that. We're helping human trafficking survivors all over the world. Today, there's over 25 million people that are enslaved and they're being trafficked all over the world. And I love that as a church, we said, hey, we're, gonna let, we're not gonna let this evil continue to destroy our world. We're gonna put a stop to this somehow, some way. And we started this ministry called Embrace. And every single month, we're giving clothes to human trafficking survivors, giving food to human trafficking survivors. Last year, God gave us a house that now we're leasing, and our money goes every single month to give these people a home so they, they can get rehabilitated and strong. Come on, that's the church that we're a part of. Come on, that we can always make a difference in the whole world. I love the way Pastor Chris Hodges said it, and I'll finish with this. He said, I'll never be satisfied making a dollar when my purpose was to make a difference. I'll, I'll do everything I can. I'll provide for my family. And there's nothing wrong. I want, I want the house and the car and all that. And we got to live. But, but that won't satisfy me. And that won't give me fulfillment the way making a difference can. I want to tell you, church, God has called all of us to make a difference. And I really believe as you take these steps in your spiritual journey, step number four is that he, he wants to release you so that you can make a difference in your home, your world beyond your world and then to the whole world. Maybe you're saying, Alex, how can I do this? I want to start making a difference. Start in your home. Start in your own house. And then look around your house and neighborhoods in our city and then, and then look around the whole world. One of the easiest ways to make a difference is to attach yourself to something that already is making a difference. And I think that's why I love serving in church because the church is making a difference around the world. Today, I would pray that you would consider that and say, God, I, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me, that I'll fight that gravitational pull and I'll make a difference. Let's stand up on our feet all across this place. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. As we stand up to our feet, I'm going to ask the entire church to pray. Maybe you're in here today and you're, you're all the way in step one. You're like, Alex, I don't even know God. Maybe you walked in here today, this is your first time here, second time here. Somebody invited you to Calvary. And I know we get new people here all the time. We're a church that loves to invite people and bring people. And so maybe you're here and you're like, Alex, I don't even know God. 
to be honest, I don't even understand this whole concept, but, but as you were sitting here today, you say, I need, I need a relationship with God. I want to tell you first and foremost that none of us in here are perfect. There's not one perfect person in this church. We've all failed. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And because of that, the enemy comes and he tries to say, hey, God doesn't love you. God has no plan for your life. And he tries. He's the accuser is what the Bible calls him. And so maybe you've been sitting here for the past few minutes and, and all you can think about is what the accuser is telling you. God can't use you. You've done too much damage, too much wrong. You know what you've done. I want to tell you that that might be true, but there's something that's more true, and that's that God knows, but yet he still loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. With every single eye closed and every single head bowed, as the church is praying, if you're in here today and you say, Alex, I need a relationship with God, it's the greatest decision you could do with your life. We've all sinned. The Bible says that God loves us, but sin separates us from God. So he came up with a solution called Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. Jesus came down on this earth where he lived for 33 years. And on the last day, he went up on a cross and he grabbed my sin, your sin. He grabbed all of our flaws, our mistakes, every failure. And the Bible says that Jesus, he carried the sins of the world up to the cross. And there on that cross, he died for you and for me. Jesus, he paid the price for all of our sins. He died on that cross. He went down to a grave where he was for three days. But after three days, sin and death could not hold him. Jesus Christ, he defeated the grave. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. The only one who's been able to defeat sin and death, his name is Jesus. He's full of life. He's the hope that you and I need. He's the answer to the world. I'm telling you, he's the peace that you've been searching for. With every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. Come on, it's a private moment. I would love to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with God. If you're in here today and you say, Alex, I need forgiveness. If you're in here today and you say, Alex, today I need a relationship with God. I want him to forgive all of my sins. Today I want to start a brand new life. If you're in here today, you say, Alex, I need a brand new beginning. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come down. None of that. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand just so I can see who I'm praying for. More importantly, I believe God is seeing you take that step. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. As high as you can. As high as you can. I see you. 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 God bless you and you and you and you and you and you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for every hand raised, every person making this decision. With eyes closed, head bowed. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. All of you who raise your hand, I want you to say this with me out loud. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it with you together. We're talking to God in this moment. Say, Father, Thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died for my sins. And on the third day, he resurrected. Come into my life, Jesus. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And a man, come on, Calvary, can we give them a big, big hand?